0: And I thought he was going to do one, and now I think maybe I'm supposed to do one. So, do I have a suggestion? Jasmine, Desmond, do you guys have a suggestion for a kid's song? Which one? The Fruit of the Spirit. Okay, we can bring that one back. All right, you ready? We might have to move around a little bit. You got to think of some fruits, okay? You ready? Who's got a fruit? Kevin. A watermelon. Okay. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. If you got a watermelon, you might as well eat it. But it's not a fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit's not a Cherry, the fruit of the Spirit's not a cherry. So if you got some cherries, they sure are delicious. But they're not a fruit of the Spirit, because the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peyton, do you have a fruit? Fruit? Pineapple. Pineapple. Ah, the fruit of the Spirit's not a pineapple. The fruit of the Spirit's not a pineapple. So if you got a pineapple, you might as well chop it. But it's not a fruit of the Spirit, because the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One more. Fruit of the Spirit's not a... What was it? Blueberry. The fruit of the Spirit's not a blueberry. So if you got a blueberry, you might as well eat it. But it's not a fruit of the Spirit, because the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, I'm just going to sit here. All right. Well, Jordan is correct. I've got yet another little bitty sermon today. I decided to do kind of a little bitty sermon series. And if you guys remember last week, we had a little Alan Jackson to get us started because uh, God had been letting little bitty by Alan Jackson hang out in my brain for a couple of months. So what do you do with that? Well, you write some sermons about it, right? So last week, I shared one of my favorite little bitty stories of Jesus that we find in the New Testament. And sometimes we can think so often that Jesus, and we think about all the grand things he did and the big sermons he gave and the thousands in the crowds, but he also cared for those little bitty people. And that's exactly the story that I shared last night in uh, Luke chapter, or last week in Luke chapter 7. It's the story of Nain, right? Jesus is walking on his journey with the crowds and he comes by a little village that was later calculated for me is just like 60 people, probably. And he sees a funeral coming out the gate, and it's a widow and her only son has passed away. And Jesus sees her, and he doesn't think she's too small, or she lives in too small of a place, or she's too unimportant. But instead, he stops, and he tells her not to cry. And that's weird for a minute because you're not supposed to say that at a funeral. But just a minute later, he tells the sun to arise. And he raises her dead son back to life. I don't know about you guys, but last time I checked, dead people are dead. But he did a miracle, and he raised her son back to life. And the coolest part about that whole story, and probably why one of it's my favorite, is it's inane the middle of nowhere, to, the, to a nobody, just a widow. And everybody is afraid and in awe of what has happened. And the last verse we read about that story is the news of this spread throughout the entire country. One little bitty miracle to one little bitty lady in the middle of nowhere spread to the entire country. And they heard the good news of what Jesus could do. He could raise the dead because that's what he continues to do this day. We were dead in sin, and he has raised us again in life by being Christians, by taking that gift he's given us of baptism. So that's why it's one of my favorite stories. But when you look at little bitty things in the Bible, in fact, you can even, just if you have one of those digital Bibles, maybe you have it on your computer or your phone, you can just type little in there. You probably can't type little bitty, it's not going to get you much, but if you type little in your phone app, you can find all sorts of little things that happen, and if you type the word little into your Bible, you're going to find not just a story, but a piece of Jesus while he was working on this earth about being little, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Jesus uses this term pretty often, especially when he's speaking to the apostles, He says, you have little faith. He says it a few different ways. He says, ye of little faith, or like we read this morning uh, in our opening scripture there, your faith is so little. But little faith, and when we talk about little bitty things, faith is not the thing that I want to be little bitty. And I can't imagine how it felt to be told that over and over again, multiple times, By Jesus as his direct follower, as his apostle, as his student, as his worker, one who is sent out. I can't imagine how it felt to be told by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that my faith is little. Being told, you have little bitty faith. And so when you look through Jesus and the work he does, this is one thing that's going to come up often as you read the Gospels and you read him walking alongside the apostles and the disciples. He calls them out, and rightfully so, he calls them out for having little faith, multiple, multiple times. And one of those times is is pretty tough because in in Matthew chapter 8, we we're walking alongside Jesus, and we see the story of all of the great things he do, he's doing. And one of the Bible verses we talked about in our, in our Bible class this morning is he heals Peter's mother-in-law. That's also recorded for us in Matthew. And so we go to Matthew chapter 8. Just a few verses earlier, Peter had witnessed Jesus heal his mother-in-law, and then he had witnessed Jesus cast out demons. And eventually, just a few verses later, we get to Matthew chapter 8. And we're not ready for this yet, but we get to Matthew chapter 8, and the apostles are in the boat, and they're going to the other side with Jesus. But think of all the work he's been doing, all the healing. Jesus is tired, so he takes a nap. And one of my favorite t-shirts, I think Bryce sent it to me a while back, is, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. Yeah. He was tired. He was helping people. And so they get in the boat. The apostles are taking the boat across, and Jesus takes a nap. But what happens? A great storm comes, right? A great storm comes, and the apostles are freaking out. Remember, they had just seen Jesus heal a mo- uh, Peter's mother in law, who was sick and about to die. They had just seen Jesus. Cast out demons and heal other people. This all happened just a few verses as we read it in Matthew chapter 8 before this. And they get in a boat and there's a storm and they're freaking out. And so they wake up Jesus and they say, We are dying. If you read the ESV, they're much more proper about it. Lord, we are about to perish. What's that mean? We are dying. (laughs) And they were. The boat was taking on water. They were going to sink. There was a storm. I get it. I don't like boats without storms that much. Kayaks, that's as far as I go, right? So they wake him up and they say, we are dying. And here's what he says, Matthew 8, verse 26. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. That had to hurt a little bit if you're one of those apostles in the boat. Real quick turnaround from we are dying, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, shh, to the storm. Pretty humbling. Again, I don't want to, and I'm not even an apostle directly walking with Jesus. I don't ever want the Lord to tell me that I am one of little faith. But he was right when he said that, wasn't he? They should have known that Jesus could do whatever he needed to do to the storm. But instead of saying, hey, hey, Jesus, uh, could you do something about the storm? It's a little inconvenient. They said, we are dying. They didn't have faith that Jesus was actually going to do anything. So he calms the storm, but in the same time, he calls them out for having little faith. Again, if you put this word little, you'll find lots of little faith in your scriptures in the New Testament, especially with the apostles. Here's another story. Another story here in Matthew 16, just eight chapters after we just read the storm. Matthew chapter 16, a few chapters later, Jesus is talking and teaching about the Pharisees. And he's telling them that the Pharisees are like a little leaven in, in the loaf of bread. If you let a little leaven in, it'll change everything. And so he's warning them about the way the Pharisees are acting, right? He's warning them to follow him and not the old Jewish law. But there must have been something when Jesus was talking about yeast and bread that got the apostles thinking, because they were like, oh, We didn't bring any bread. It's lunchtime, we're hungry we got to feed people. We forgot lunch. I think they were missing the point because Jesus was trying to teach them a very valuable lesson. And the next verse we hear is, oh, no, we forgot lunch. I think they were missing it. So they're talking amongst themselves. What are we going to do? We forgot lunch. We didn't bring bread. We're going to starve. We're hungry. What are we going to do? One little thing I forgot to tell you. A few verses before chapter 15 Jesus had just fed 4,000 people with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Last time I checked, that only feeds one, maybe two. He fed 4,000 people, and they're on their way from there. And the apostles say, oh, no, we forgot lunch. So what's Jesus say to them? But Jesus said, being aware of this, he said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that we have no bread? Sometimes I read Jesus and I read him a little snarkily. Why are you wondering if we have bread? You remember? Just like yesterday? There was no bread there either, but there was baskets to go home. And so he calls them out again, and rightfully so. He says, you of little bitty faith, you don't trust me enough to provide lunch, even though I just took care of 4,000 and 5,000 before that. You of little faith. He continues on, and he actually points out exactly why they have little faith in verses 9 and 10. He says, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? He says, I got this bread thing covered, guys. Can you just remember the past week, please? You of little faith. Little bitty faith, even the apostles. And then, of course, we have the scripture that always comes to mind when we talk about little bitty things and little bitty faith. It's Matthew 17, 20. Because of your little faith, like Larry read this morning. But just kind of keep this one in your head. I'm going to come back to it because this one confuses me. So Matthew 17, 20, we're going to come back to that one. But again, here he's calling out the apostles for having little bitty faith. But it makes sense, because those apostles and those disciples and everybody that was crowded around Jesus, walking alongside him in the Gospels, they had a, a fatal flaw. And it's the same fatal flaw we have, is they were humans. And humans are really bad at this thing that's called faith. We like things we can accomplish ourselves, that we can touch and we can feel, in some degrees at least. We struggle with faith. We would rather dwell on doubt than trust in faith. It's a human trait. And those apostles walking alongside Jesus, getting called out for having little faith, that's what they were doing. They were being human, and they were struggling with that. And I imagine we might struggle with that sometimes too. We might struggle with having a big, strong faith that God can do whatever he wills, that God will use me to his glory no matter what. But at the same time, I'm a human struggling with that. You probably are too. I never, ever want to hear from God that I was one with little faith. I don't want to be little bitty in that way. I want to be big when it comes to faith, but I think we struggle with it. So it makes sense that the apostles got rebuked for it. I think we might struggle with it too. We're all humans lacking faith. It's not something I want to hear. But why do we need faith? Why is faith so important? Well, if we dig through the scriptures, we can see that faith is the center point of everything we do as a Christian. You go to Hebrews, we studied Hebrews last year, but it's, man, Hebrews is good. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Meaning God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So if you wanted to kind of take that a step further into the lesson today, you could reword it and say, with a little bitty faith, it's hardly possible to please him. That doesn't sound much better. Without faith, it's impossible to please God It's through the belief that we draw near to him, and he rewards us. This is probably the best description of why we need faith. I I think in, in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer does a really good job talking about faith. Chapter 10, the chapter before this, people call the Hall of Faith, like the Hall of Fame, talking about all of these people throughout history in the Bible that have been faithful to God. And so faith is super important to the Hebrew writer, and here... They say, we need it. we got to have faith. The best description of why we need it is because how do we believe and how do we follow something that we don't even think exists and we don't even have faith in? We must believe that he exists. Have you ever kind of thought through that conundrum? How do you tell somebody about Jesus if they don't even believe in God? They have to believe in God first, Right? You can't start talking about how Jesus died for their sins if they don't think God existed to create the world and send Jesus. Belief, faith, Christianity has to start at having faith in God before anything else. It's key. It's important. Why would you ever have faith in something you don't think is there? But that kind of brings us to, if I say the word faith all this time, what what does it mean? What does faith even mean? Well, good luck for me. The Hebrew writer doesn't take much time and he just goes back five verses and tells me what faith is. The best definition right here. Oh, did I put the same verse twice? Nice. Cool. Well, I got it right here. Now faith... See how I have it. No, it's not there. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I invite you to look it up because you can't believe me. It's not up there. you got to have some faith. So what is faith? Well, it's knowing that there are things we hope for, being convinced of things we haven't seen. That's exactly what it's like to be a Christian. That's exactly what it's like to be a Christian. I have to have faith to be a Christian because I don't know about you guys, but for me personally... um, I never shook Jesus' hand. Never met the guy. I wasn't there when he was crucified on the cross. I didn't personally see the empty tomb like those women did when they came up. He didn't talk to me on the road. In fact, you know, take it a step further, I wasn't there when God created the world. I didn't ask him how long this was going to take him and how long these days were, you know, I didn't ask about all of this great... I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't touch it. I didn't see the water being made. But yet, here I am today as a Christian. Here I am today knowing that God created the world. Here I am today knowing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Do you know why I know those things? Because I have assurance of things hoped for and conviction and things that I haven't even seen. That's what being Christian is all about. you got to have faith. If you need to see it personally, you can't. That was years ago, thousands, way longer than that for the creation of the world. You can't see it. You only live a short time. You have to have faith. But you might be thinking, I have faith. I have a hope in heaven even. I haven't seen heaven, but I know I'm going to go there. I have faith, but we're not not good at having faith. And I kind of agree. You you go take a survey around, you know, the world, and you would think people are not good at having faith. We don't really like faith in our culture today. We like tangible things. We like to see and know and create it ourselves. You know, we don't really believe in anything. We just prove everything. So that's kind of our modern context, isn't it? But I don't think that's really true. People might tell you that they don't have faith in things. I don't believe in God. I have to see and know and touch and feel. But that's not true. Because even if you take God out of the picture, we practice faith every day. In fact, the fact that there might be a day is faith in itself. I have never flown a spaceship to the sun. Never looked out the window and said, yep, there it is. It's big and hot. But yet I still know that in the morning, there will be sunshine. I've never seen the sun up close and personal. I don't know. It could just be a light bulb up there. I don't know. I have faith that there is a sun that creates heat and light for us on this earth. You know what? I also, I'm not a scientist, maybe you guys are, I don't know how to look at oxygen. I did not go to school to be a scientist. I couldn't do it. But even though I can't look at oxygen, I know that it's there. Because smarter people than me have been able to figure out that it's there and I know I can breathe because of it. I have faith in oxygen. I also have faith that gravity's still working because I'm not floating away. I have faith that I, the moon is there reflecting the sun, still never seen it, never landed my spaceship there either. I have faith. We even have faith in dumb little stuff. We have faith that if we put money into investments, it'll grow. We need to read history a little more, right? It's like, I don't know why I have faith in that, but I do. I have faith that we choose leaders and they will lead our country. I've never met them, never interviewed them personally, never asked them the questions I want to ask, and yet I have faith that America will still exist tomorrow. We have faith in so many things. So when somebody tells you, Americans today in our modern context, we don't have faith, I don't think that's true. I think they're talking about I don't want to believe in God. Not that they don't believe in things, not that they don't, Trust in things they haven't seen, but that they don't want to have faith in God. Because we have faith every single day. We believe a lot of things we've never seen. But faith is so important to our lives, to our relationship with God. In fact, you might even be kind of confused when I'm giving this sermon because we use faith to say what Christianity is. It's kind of the catch all term, right? What is your faith? Well, I'm a Christian. Do you have faith? Yeah. Right? And so we actually use the term faith to mean Christianity across the board. Faith is so important. And taking it back to what Jesus said six times to the apostles, he said, you have little faith. Ouch. Ouch. He said that to the apostles, the people that should know everything about him, he said, you don't have any faith. But the greatest faith we will ever have is not about oxygen or the sunshine or investments. It's about God. In fact, Jesus spoke into the idea of faith in his Sermon on the Mount. And usually we talk about Matthew chapter 6. Uh, 25 through 34, I invite you to open there. We're going to be there in a second. Usually, whenever we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, especially this piece, Jesus uses the, uh, the words anxiousness, right? Anxious. But this one's tough for me, because I know when he says anxious, he's talking about faith. And yet, I still struggle with anxiousness. And so, this is one of those pieces of Scripture where I have to wonder... Is Jesus calling me out for having little faith as well? Read it with me. Matthew chapter 6, uh, 25 through 34, nine verses. We can do it. Jesus says to the crowd, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these flowers." And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is today's trouble. We usually read that, it's all about anxiety, right? But when you listen to what Jesus is telling the crowds, he makes it about faith. In fact, there in the middle, he says, you of little faith, again. He says, why are you worried about trivial things like your clothing and your food? You know God will take care of you. That knowing God will take care of you, that would be faith. But yet, we are being called out for not having that faith because we do worry about those things. At least I do. When Jesus talks about anxiousness, he's talking to me. And when he talks about anxiousness, he's talking about having little faith compared to big faith. Because God will take care of me, he takes care of the entire world. Faith is so important. He rebukes the apostles for having little faith, and then he gives it to the crowd, and I think, just for some reason, I feel like I'm in that crowd too, oh you of little faith. And that breaks my heart. Because I don't want to have little bitty faith. I don't want to be the one who Jesus calls out, And says, you had little faith. So I think that would make a good sermon right there. Don't have little bitty faith. Have great big faith. Be one who trusts in God to guide your entire life. Hope in the things not seen. Trust in him to guide you. And you can have great big faith. And hopefully, you and I both will practice having great big faith and we won't have little bitty faith and we won't be rebuked like the apostles. That's a great sermon. But Jesus got me all confused when I was writing the sermon. Because let's go back to our verse that started this all. Matthew 17, 20. It was our opening scripture. It was right there in the middle of all those you of little faiths. Read it with me again. Matthew 17, 20. Because of your little faith, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So he's rebuking them because of their little faith. I get that. That's what I just talked about. I understand. Don't have little faith. Have great big faith. But then Jesus goes from saying, you have little faith to saying, if you just had faith like a mustard seed, that doesn't make any sense. Do you guys use mustard seeds? They're not very, like, we don't use them that often. I get it. Mustard seeds are some of the smallest seeds you could go by. Like imagine a sesame seed in quarter, right? Mustard seeds are little. I'm so confused, Jesus. Why did you say you have little faith, but if only you had faith like a mustard seed? He just said you have little faith, have little faith. Confuses me, right? But then I started thinking, because he says, if you only had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain by telling it to go from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible to you. Again, another piece of Jesus I'm confused, man. I can move mountains if I have little faith? Well, I had to take myself out of the picture, and I had to kind of get out of my own head for a second. And I said, you know, Jesus is saying this. Jesus doesn't think it's ridiculous to say you can move a mountain, because last week we just talked about how he raised a dead guy. That was impossible, too. Moving a mountain... Still impossible, but I guess slightly less impossible. But Jesus is saying this, and Jesus is calling them out for having little faith, and he tells them to have faith the size of a mustard seed, and then I realized it. The greatest, biggest, strongest faith we could ever have, faith that could move a mountain to God, still looks like a mustard seed. So where are we at when he's rebuking us? Microscopic faith? Great. I don't even get credit for having a mustard seed. I have microscopic faith? That's what he's telling me? Because he would just want us and desire for us to have teeny faith like a mustard seed because that's the biggest thing we could ever have. But to God, to God, it's still just a mustard seed. Think about the amount of faith he has in us. And that sounds weird because we think about the faith in God, but the amount of faith he has in us to send his only son, to make the whole world for us, to put in the plan of the sacrificial system so we could see that we needed an ultimate sacrifice. He had faith in us. And he's just asking for a little bit of faith the size of a mustard seed. So I guess maybe if we took what Jesus said literally, and we really tried to grow our faith from microscopic to mustard seed, we could move a mountain. And we read that, and we say, that's ridiculous. But if you really had faith, you would read that, and you would call in some bulldozers and get everybody you had with a shovel and say, we're going to start working on this mountain. God said we could move it. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. Great big faith to us, that is little bitty faith to him like a mustard seed. And he wants us to put into action. He wants us to get the bulldozers to move the mountain. Because even though it seems impossible, nothing will be impossible for us if we really had faith. So that was the verse that confused me, but it took me a minute to step back and think, no, this is all the same thing. Jesus is rebuking the apostles for not having faith. And I mean, we give them a bad time because they should have known better, right? They should have known Jesus could make more bread. He had just done it yesterday. They should have known that the creator of the world could calm the sea. (laughs) They should have known that. But do I not do that in my own life? And shouldn't I know better? Do I not worry? Man, there's still 10 days left of the month and I don't think God's going to let us buy groceries again. I've been there. But practicing faith means, hey, God, I know you can feed me for the rest of the month. (laughs) I'm sorry if I was a bad steward for what you gave me. We face faith things every single day in our life, and sometimes I wonder if God doesn't look at us and say, don't you know better, Mr. Microscopic Faith? Why don't you start working towards that mustard seed size? So today, if you feel like you have a little bitty faith, I don't think you're alone. I think this is something we all get to work on. I think the apostles got to work on it. I think we as humans still fall into this trap of having microscopic little bitty faith. But I encourage us to walk alongside each other, to work on our faith, and maybe someday we'll have half a mustard seed and we'll be well on our way to having what God calls us to have. But remember, compared to what God has in us, It's little bitty, but he calls us to have little bitty, great big faith the size of a mustard seed, so small it's big. I know that's confusing, but that's what I think Jesus is calling us to. So if you're walking and you're feeling like you have little faith, welcome to the club. But if you feel like you don't have any faith at all, turn to somebody next to you. They might have a little microscopic faith they'd like to share with you. Let's stand and sing this last song as Jordan leads us.